Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise this morning. You are forgiven and redeemed, set free by the blood of the Lamb. No weapon formed against you shall prosper because of the victory of the grave today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I bless you today. I thank you, Lord, that the victory has been won because of your mighty power over the grave. And I can declare over myself and over these people that literally no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I am victorious in Jesus today. Give the Lord one more big ovation of praise. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. You can be seated. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, good morning. Oh, you got to do better than that. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for being here at the wonderful Rock of Gainesville and uh, celebrating with us today on this most glorious day of our resurrected Lord. As we get together and celebrate and honor the glory of the power of our God. And so we just thank you for being here in the auditorium. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us that way. Also, we just are very appreciative of us being able to be together to celebrate. Now listen to Pastor Ron for just a moment. To celebrate the most celebrated or recognized day in history. It's not just the most celebrated or recognized day in church history. It literally is the most celebrated or recognized day in history because if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, you are doing just like I just said a minute ago, we're coming together to celebrate the glory of our resurrected Lord. So we're celebrating him, we're celebrating his power and his awesomeness. But you know, there are other people that they're not followers of Christ and whether they know it or not, they're celebrating today. They're, They're doing it in a different way They're recognizing it, trying to act like it never happened. Trying to define the reality of an empty tomb. Well, I have the joy to, mm, I have the joy of telling you right now that the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea is empty today. And so they can attempt to defy it all they want. They're just sadly, sadly mistaken. And so it's a joy to be able to get with you for a few moments and talk about this subject right here, why Easter matters. Why Easter matters. And you know, as I stand here and look at this great big crowd, I have to say it again, what a joy it is to be able to look at this awesome crowd. Look around with me for just a second, come on. Look around to your right and to your left and across the aisle and up front and up back. And look at this big, great crowd that we're able to celebrate with today. And by the way, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, thank you for the opportunity and the honor of letting me do that with this great big crowd. Now, take your mind and roll it back about 2,000 years on the actual day of this event. There wasn't a big crowd like this at the tomb of Jesus. As a matter of fact, there wasn't anybody there. There was nobody there. Why, Pastor Ron? You just told me that this is the most celebrated day 
in history. It seems like there would have been a huge crowd. Well, there wasn't a big crowd because they expected to do what, for Jesus to do what deceased people do, and that's stay deceased. So there wasn't a big crowd there. There wasn't anybody there. Now, you know, I, I think about this a lot, you know, with the, the monumental occasion that it was. I can't help but kind of think in my mind's eye that there's a big crowd standing outside the tomb, and they're just waiting for it to roll back, right? Come on now. And, and they're almost counting down backwards. 10, 9, 8, 7, cue the sun, 6, 5, 4, Roll the stone away. Three, two, one. Sound the trumpet. I mean, I can't help but kind of think that that's what the scenario looked like. Well, guess what? It didn't look like that. There wasn't a crowd like this at the tomb of Jesus. There was nobody there. As a matter of fact, it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 1, look at what it says. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint the, G, the body, rather, of Jesus. They might go and anoint Jesus' body. His body was not even embalmed. That's the word anoint means there. His body was not even embalmed. Why? Everything happened so fast. Think of it this way. In one moment, Jesus is arrested. The very next moment, he's taken to the mockery of a midnight trial, he's found guilty, he's walked up the Via Della Rosa to the place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, he's nailed to a cross, pounded into the ground, and then left there to die. And it happened like that. And so before you know it, this change of life took place in their Messiah, their King, their healer, their miracle worker, the, the Savior, the Son of God was crucified. And so now all of a sudden, these people are following Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea over to the tomb because the body had not even been embalmed yet. And they get there to the tomb, and as they get there to the tomb, they realize that they're just trying to emotionally catch up. Everything has been such a whirlwind and literally taking them, taking them by surprise, so to speak. And so nobody's at the tomb because they did not expect it to happen. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 2, it says this, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away and remove it from the entrance of the tomb? Why would they ask a question like that? They expected it to be there. They didn't expect it to be gone. And so they remember, hey guys, you remember that big stone they put in front of the tomb, that 2,000 pound rock that was in front of the, the tomb? How, how are we gonna get that thing to move? Come on now, how are we gonna get that to, thing to move? It took a Roman battalion to put it into place and we've got a couple of guys and a couple of ladies. How are we going to move this thing? How, they, they, they expected it to be there, let's read on. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and the Bible says they were alarmed. <laughs> well, I guess so. So they get to the tomb, and, and first of all, 
they get there and they're expecting the stone to be gone and, uh, I'm sorry, the stone to be there and it's gone. And so then they walk up to it. And I don't know about you guys, but if I think for just a minute, here's kind of how I see it. They walk up expecting this stone to be there. It's gone. Surprise number one. And as they get to the tomb, they're wondering, okay, what's going on? And so they kind of peer in a little bit, almost as if to say, hey, Jesus, <laughs> totally by surprise, they look and see what's going on. And then as they get to the tomb, they look inside and, and there's this uh, man sitting over there, but there's no body of Jesus because they thought this right here. Now listen to PR. They thought the body had been stolen. And so now the body's been stolen, and so they are alarmed, the Bible says. And it goes on a little further to say this. They were not only alarmed, they looked inside. They saw no body of Jesus. They were alarmed at what was going on, and they went off and ran off to hiding. Why would they do that? Well, if they'll come for Jesus, we're number two on the hit list. <laughs> if they're going to come after Jesus, we're the next one that they're going to come after. So they ran off, and they go into hiding. And then they get together in John chapter 20, and here's what it says. And so she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, and the one that Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Look at the skepticism that's taken place. They, we don't know who they is, or they are, or they might be. We don't know who they could be. We don't know what they've done with the body. They don't know where, we've, where they've placed the body. We don't know what's going on. The skepticism, guys, is literally at an all-time high. All we know is they took the body. We don't know where the body is. We don't know if those leaders are coming after us next. We don't know what's next on the agenda. Skepticism is literally at an all-time high. The body is gone, skepticism number one. They took the body, skepticism number two. We don't know where they put the body, skepticism number three. We don't know if they're coming after us, skepticism number four. Skepticism, wondering, bewilderment, concern, all kinds of confusion. It's at an all-time high. And as they found themselves in that crazy situation of what was going on and what might be happening next. Look at what it says in Luke 24. As they get back together, I love this right here. As they get back together, they did not believe the women. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> next point. They did not believe the women because, listen to this now, because their words, remember I said skepticism, their words seemed like nonsense. Resurrection, what are you talking about? Dead body, what are you talking about? They stole the body, what are you talking about? Everything seems like nonsense. It's just not adding up. Now, let me stop right here for just a second and say something. Probably everybody in here in this room today has some form of idea of who Jesus is or who Jesus was or what he is to you today. This, this room is full of people that have some kind of idea. You see him as Messiah. You see him as Savior. You see him as Son of God. You see him as Deliverer. You see him as Healer. You see him as soon coming King. You have some kind of an idea as to who Jesus is. 
But you know, there's also a group of people, and there may be somebody in this room today, or you're watching online, you have more of a historical aspect of Christ. He's a really good man, said a lot of great things, did a lot of wonderful miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed 5,000 people with a couple of pieces of fish. He did some really, really cool stuff. But resurrection, that's nonsense. Now, sometimes we will hear that from someone as, they talk, as we talk about the power of the resurrection, and someone will say, that's nonsense. And we almost get mad about it. But before you get mad about it, stop and realize that people that have that view of Jesus have something in common with the first century friends of Jesus because they thought the same thing. They thought the same thing. Resurrection, yeah, he was a great, great man. He was a great healer, but resurrection from the dead, I don't know if I can go down that road. And there was a reason that God allowed them to have that kind of mindset. Watch this in Luke 24. It says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Doesn't that sound just like Peter? Mr. D-personality Peter? Come on. I'll take care of this. You guys get out of my way. I'm going to go to the tomb. I'm going to figure this out, and we'll settle this once and for all. I'm just going to take care of business. So Peter gets up, and he runs to the tomb, and the Bible says, but bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, look at this now, wondering to himself what had happened. Mr. Take Charge Peter gets to the tomb, and now all of a sudden questions of bewilderment are running through his mind, and he's wondering, what's going on here? What's going on here? I thought for sure we were going to figure this out. I thought for sure they were mistaken. I thought for sure they had made a mistake or they were stretching the truth. Something's just not right here. And one of the things I love about God, now listen to Pastor Ron right here. One of the things I love about God is he allowed the disciples to document their own disbelief. <laughs> Snared by their words. He allowed the disciples to say, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I can't figure this out. I, I'm just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And here's why I believe that God allowed the disciples to document their own disbelief. It does not scare God when you have a hard time believing. It doesn't scare God. He doesn't fall off his throne because you tell him, Lord, I'm really having a hard time walking in faith right now. That doesn't scare God. God, I'm really having a hard time getting my belief system in place or really standing in faith or really walking this thing called salvation out. I'm having a hard time. That does not scare God because he knows that's a really big question, but the God I serve today has got some really big answers. That's a big question. I don't know what's going on, and so I can't figure all this out. It doesn't scare him because he knows he can answer that question. Here's how he answers it. Watch this. I love this part right here. Watch what takes place. John chapter 20. It says that on the first evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked because they thought the Jews, the Jewish leaders, we're going to come from them. If they'll come from Jesus, they'll come for us. So they got the doors locked, and they're in hiding. All of a sudden, watch this phrase right here. Jesus came and stood among them. Come on, somebody. 
Y'all ought to give Jesus a praise offering right now. Jesus came and stood among them. Now I'm going to give you one more reason to shout because of what he said. And as he stood there in their bewilderment and their, their confusion, he said, peace be with you. Mm. Well, a couple of you clapped. I think the rest of you ought to. Come on now. Isn't that just like Jesus? Isn't that just like Jesus? When skepticism, when bewilderment, bewilderment, when confusion, when hurt, when questions, when adversity, when they're at an all-time high, Jesus shows up and brings peace with him. He shows up and brings peace with him. You guys know the story better than I do. They're in the boat, and they're on the sea, and there's a storm that comes up. And the wind and the waves are rocking the boat. They're rocking and a rolling on the Sea of Galilee. And there is no Dramamine to be found anywhere. <laughs> and they're going back and forth and back and forth. And the disciples are freaking out. They're not sure what to do. And they say, what do we do? Well, we, we gotta, maybe we need to jump overboard. Maybe we just need to give up ship. And they say, where's Jesus? He's down in the bottom of the ship and he's sleeping. And by unanimous consent, they go down and wake Jesus up. Now watch this right here. Jesus comes up on the top deck. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. He sees the exact same storm the disciples were looking at. He didn't see a different storm. He saw the same storm. And he didn't say, man the lifeboats, jump overboard, save the women and children first. That's not what he said. He saw the exact same storm that you are walking through today. And he says, peace be still. Peace be with you. That's just like Jesus. And so they're trying to figure all this out. And look at what it says next in Luke chapter 24. It says, and they were startled and frightened. They thought they had seen a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? How many of you are like Pastor Ron? Every once in a while, you just kind of get frustrated with God when you're in the midst of a storm and you hear that still small voice of the Lord say, why are you afraid? Yeah. What's bothering you? Why, why, are you? why are you nervous? Why are you scared? And so Jesus shows up and in the middle of their startling time, he says, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind. See, one of the things I love about God is he allowed that skepticism to rise because he knew he had a soothing answer for it. He had something that was going to level the playing field. And he was going to come in with that peace and that contentment that only he can bring. Guys, that's important to you and I today because as skepticism rises in 2021, why does Easter matter? Because in 2021, the same skepticism is invading our culture. In 2021, the same doubts are invading our culture. The same confusion is invading our culture. The same fear is invading our culture. But Jesus is still coming on the scene in your life and my life and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I got this. I got this. I got this. I came across this statistic, I don't know, a few months back. And I thought about it as I was reading back through some of these scriptures 
that I'm sharing with you today. And I, I, it's a real interesting statistic that I, I think it kind of fits a little bit right here in a cool way. Do you know the word or the phrase fear not or do not be afraid, don't be afraid appears in the Bible 365 times? You know what that means? God has given you victory over fear every day of the year. Come on, give God an ovation of praise. And so in the midst of their skepticism, Jesus levels the playing field. Look at what he says in Luke 24. He said to them, this is what I told you when I was with you. Why are you so freaking out? This is what I told you. This is what I gave to you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That was their Bible. They didn't have a Bible like you have in your lap today, leather bound with red words. They had the law of Moses, the law of the prophets, or the words of the prophets and Psalms. And he says, everything in those writings has been fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. Listen to it carefully. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Why does Easter matter? Why does Easter matter in 2021? Something that happened 2,000 years ago. Why does Easter matter? Because it happened then, it happens now, and it will continue to happen that Jesus is proving he has fulfilled everything that was said about him. He's fulfilled it. And then he goes on to say this, even more important, he says in Luke 24, 48, and you, you, not just them, you, not just disciples, you, not just the first century, you are witnesses of all these things. You can make a declaration that they're real. So here's what we got to understand. Let me ask you the question, why does Easter matter? Why does Easter matter? This principle right here, the resurrection of Jesus Christ created Christianity and launched the church. We're here today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not here because of the Bible. Without the resurrection, there's no need for a Bible. We're not here because of faith. Without the resurrection, there's no need for faith. We are here today as a corporate body of believers because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The foundation, the foundation of Christianity is an event. It's an extraordinary event with profound implications that happened in 2,000 years ago and continues to happen in your life today in 2021. So the church of Jesus Christ was started by the resurrection and this body was started to be formed and continues to be a living organism, breathing, moving, shaking, living organism that's affecting the world that we're living in. Started 2,000 years ago. Why does Easter matter? Because it is still a force on the face of the earth and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let me ask you a question. Why does Easter matter? Well, I've answered that question why it matters to us as a body, as a group of people. But why does Easter matter to you? 
as a person, as an individual, as one single unit that's walking this spiritual journey out. Why does Easter matter? Well, it formed the church. But why does Easter matter to you as one person? Let me answer that question for you with one verse from Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you to quicken your mortal bodies for you to do what you need to do because the Spirit of God dwells in you. Why does Easter matter to you? Because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is raising you to life, walking you in life, moving you in life, and changing you in this life to follow him as an ambassador of God's kingdom. Why does Easter matter? Easter matters in 2021 because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago dwells in you to bring victory into your life. Hi, I'm Candace Williams, and um, I just want to talk about why the blood of Jesus means so much to me. On this day, I actually gave my life to Christ. Um, I didn't even realize that, you know, the brokenness in my life. One of those girls that thought I was just uh, living a good life, like I was living like anyone else. Um, I had a boyfriend that I knew was not going anywhere for me in my life, and I wanted to change that. I was going out. I was just doing what people do when you're in the world. I met some people, some women in church that had kind of lived a similar life to me. Um, and they were telling me about how Jesus had made a difference in their lives. And I just saw this joy in their life and I realized I was empty on the inside. I did not know that I was empty on the inside. I had grown up as a Christian, but I was not serving Jesus. I just was living my life. Um, and then like a few months of hanging around these women, um, I just began to realize the seed was being planted in my life. And I wanted to have what they had. So I broke up with my boyfriend. I left the life that I had. And it didn't happen overnight. But over time, 11 years ago, over time, when I just spent time with Christ and poured myself into him and realized like the change that he can make in your life when you honestly just seek him, when you honestly just spend time with him. When you get to know him, you get to know who you are. It changes everything about you. Um, it changes the past. It changes today. It changes tomorrow. It changes where you're going because let's be honest, none of us are going to walk a perfect life. That's not what living for Jesus means. It just means like when you're living for him, you live with him with everything, every part of you, knowing that he's here every step of the way when you make a mistake because we are going to make mistakes and his, his blood will be there to cover every last one of those mistakes. Knowing that I gave my life to Christ um, 11 years ago today uh, just honestly has radically changed every part of me. I just can go on and on and on about how my life has changed and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So uh, yes, if you don't know Jesus, I encourage you. Take it one day at a time, spend time with him and get to know him and let him reveal to you who you are. And he'll radically change your life like he did for me. And that's why the blood of Jesus means so much to me. Amen.
Amen. Amen. And we congratulate Candace on her spiritual birthday. Why does Easter matter? Because you may be here today and you're like Candace, you're living the good life. Everything is going pretty good, but there's an emptiness inside that only the power of God's presence can fill. Everything seems really good. I've got this and I've got that and I've got relationships and I've got a job and I've got a good family and I've got money and I've got this and I've got that. Everything's going really, really, really well, but there's still an emptiness inside. So why does Easter matter? Because that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you to give you victory over emptiness and anything else. It comes to give you victory today. Good morning, Good morning Rock. church family. How are you? How is everybody doing today? We want to introduce ourselves. I'm Howard. And I'm Patsy Lincoln. Lincoln. And uh, we've been coming to the Rock Church for a couple years now. Um, an interesting story of how we got here. And what we would like to do is share with you our walk with the Lord. When I was 17, I gave my life to Christ at the First Baptist Church in Newberry. I haven't been too far away from this area, but for a few years in the service. Um, I felt like God had called me into the ministry, but that seed that was cast in the good soil, the weeds grew up around it and kind of took me away. Well, I had been baptized at 10 years of age, um, but I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't feel it. Um, and until a couple of years ago, the Lord touched my heart. And he did that in a way where my grandson was going to the Rock School and we wanted to uh, find out a little bit about, the, about rock the Rock and yeah. see exactly what he kind of environment he was being taught and everything. That's right. So when we came to the church that day, Suzanne walked up to us, Pastor Suzanne, and she said, we prayed you in. And that touched our hearts right there. Yeah, that, at that time I had, during this walk, I had, my heartstrings were being pulled. I, so many years we have been successful. We were successful business people. God graced us with a beautiful son who we adopted at three days old because we couldn't have children. And, and as life went on, I just realized that walking without the Lord just wasn't the thing. It, it, there was something missing in my life. No matter what I achieved, no matter what success happened, there was always a lack of joy there. Howard and I were walking one day and I told him, I said, I should be the happiest woman alive. I've yeah. got a wonderful husband, very loving, a loving family, uh, but there's something missing, something in, missing my in my life. And uh, we didn't find that missing piece until we came to the rock. And in a dream one night, I was in the crowd of people and these people were all around me and they were asking me, you know, come to church, come to church, come to church. I'm like, no, 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 that's really not for me, not for me. But through this crowd of people, I saw this person pushing people from side to side, from side to side. And then all of a sudden in front of me, there stood Jesus himself. He looked at me directly into my eyes and his hands down by his side and he said, what are you waiting for? I don't know what to say. I jumped up, my heart was pounding in my chest and I knew. I mean, of all the, we always hear about the, as Jamie spoke last Sunday about, uh, you know, the sheep and going out and getting the one. He came and got me. Yes. He yes. left the 99 and he came and got me. And he came and got Patsy. I was I was not with the Lord, walking with the Lord most of my life. And uh, I just feel so much joy in my life now. I feel yeah. fulfilled. Yeah. Um, I actively seek him That's every right. day. That's right. Um, he, he is not just uh, 
a man I put up on the shelf for Sunday or, Sunday. or Wednesday night. That's right. He That's is right. a man that walks with me every day. Right. And I speak to him and he speaks to me. And uh, it's just a, it's just a beautiful, joyous life that I'm living in. That's right. And That's I thank right. him. I, I thank, thank the Father I thank and I thank him. the Rock Church, uh, the loving family that we have right. here. And I just, you know, it's, um, I had a second dream after this church and after I had come to church. And then the second dream, there was the cross of Christ and it was in the ground. And these Roman soldiers were trying to lift the cross out of the ground, lift it out. And they couldn't, they could not lift that cross of Christ out of the ground. It was mired in blood and muck and they tried to lift it. But the roots of the cross ran everywhere across the horizon, all around me in every direction. Blood was running through those roots. And I have tried and, and to piece everything together. And, and I know what the Lord's telling me that you're not gonna, he is the foundation. His word is the truth. No matter how hard life has tried to pull that truth away from me, it was the rock inside of me. And he called me back, he called Patsy back, yes. and now we walk in glory. So we just wanna ask you today, like the Lord asked me, what are you waiting for? If you don't know Christ yet, if you're stumbling in your walk, the Lord's asking you, through me, what are you waiting for? Amen. Make a decision to follow Jesus. It's the greatest gift. And I thank you for his resurrection. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. So why does Easter matter? Because you may have met God a long time ago and somewhere in the course of human events, the deceiver of your soul got in and said, you don't need to go down that road and you ran from God. But Jesus will pursue you, come after you, never let you go. And I can't help but believe that somebody in here today has experienced what Howard experienced through that dream. As you tried to run from God, he's standing there saying, what are you waiting for? I've got a glorious life that's available for you. And he's going to pursue you because of his infinite mercy and love. That's why Easter matters, because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you to give Howard and Patsy Lincoln victory and you victory in your life. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you to give you victory in your life. Hey, I am Ty. I've been around for what feels like forever. And most of you know my story, but for those of you who don't, I'm very humbled to share with you a few pieces of my testimony this morning. I have quite a past, and when preparing to sort of write it all out, my husband joked about what I would share about because there's just so much. Do I talk about my abuse as a child? Uh, walking through the death of my two brothers, walking away from God at the age of 18 and living a life of drugs, sex, all of the things. Do I share about my cancer diagnosis at 21 or my divorce and being a single mom of two babies at the young age of 27? Do I talk about what the deaths of Pastor Cheryl and Mr. Bob, my mom, did to me? Do I get really vulnerable and talk about my struggle of mental health and attempted suicide and debilitating anxiety, more recent than I would care to admit? 
These are all important components of where I got to where I am today in my relationship with Jesus. And I could for sure go into depth of all the pain, despair, and brokenness each of these things have caused me in my life. But if you can relate to just one of those situations, you have to hear about the beautiful redemption of Jesus. Mm. I think about my past, the pain I've caused others, the consequences that I still have to walk out today because of choices I made back then. But then I look around at this ridiculously beautiful life that I have, and it's overwhelming. Three years of being single, God gave me Nicholas, my husband. I went to school with him. We grew up together. He knew me. He knew what a mess I was, but he still chose me, my two babies, and my disabled mom. I was sort of like a package deal. I didn't deserve him, and I still don't. But he's a daily reminder of God's goodness and faithfulness in my life. I was told that I might not be able to have children because when they found my cancer, they had to treat it right away, not giving me time to store my eggs. But if you've seen us walk around, you've seen the crazy clan that I run with. God didn't just restore my marriage, something I dreamed about since I was a little girl. He restored my family. We now have six babies, which blows my mind. Every time we got pregnant, I remember feeling so overwhelmed with gratefulness because it wasn't supposed to happen. And every day as they get older, we get to share more and more of our story with them in hopes that they grasp the love of Jesus. Every day I get to share about how God literally transformed my broken heart, how God never left me, how I can look back and see God in those moments when I felt so abandoned and so lost. Now, don't get me wrong, it has taken work to get to the place I am now. I have met with countless women to gain wisdom and healing. I've read a ton of books. I've gone to multiple retreats, but every tear shed, every heartbreak, every pain was worth knowing him the way that I know him now. When God becomes real to you the way he has to me, you will no longer doubt his love or his motives. His love is unquestionable, unfathomable really. How could this sovereign God see beyond my sin and love me unconditionally? It's this beautiful exchange where I get to give up my pain for his freedom, my sickness for his healing, my generational curses for his life and his promises, my brokenness for his redemption. Some days are hard. The enemy's voice is loud. I'm emotional, running my business gets exhausting. The kids are kids and it's so easy to forget. But I'm so grateful for his redemption in my life. They got it tattooed on my arms a few years back because I wanted a tangible reminder. I don't ever want to forget the darkness he has brought me out of. I don't ever want to forget that he restored my mind when he didn't have to. I don't ever want to forget that when I was in the pit of despair with nowhere to go and no one to turn to, that he was the only one who could turn it all around and make it right again. He's a good daddy, the best actually. There is not one that can compare to his goodness. And I'm forever grateful knowing that any good that is in me or my kids is all because of him. Amen. 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 Stand with me if you will. You know, when I listen to all of those testimonies, but in particular, as I listen to Tybo, I hear two things that really jump out at me. Number one, the enemy of your soul will do everything he possibly can to steal, kill, and destroy that spirit of God that's within you. He'll take you to lonely places. He'll take you to dark places. He'll take you to empty places. But he'll do everything he can to steal the living God that wants to reside within you. That's the first thing I hear. But the second thing I hear 
and this will cause me and you to shout, is regardless of where the enemy tries to take us, the redemption of God is always available for us. The redemption, the redeeming, the restoring power of God is always available for us. So if you're here today, bow your heads please, all across the building. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ron, I've got that question. Why does Easter matter? Why does Easter matter? I've been here before, I've been there before. I've come to church before on Easter and I, I understand that it is a celebrated day across the world, but why does Easter matter? Because wherever you are in your life today, God is there to meet you. And if there's emptiness, if there's darkness, if there's feelings of gloom and despair, if there's feelings of there is no answer, just like Ty shared with us, the glory of his redemption and restoration is being made available to you because the same spirit that brought Jesus out of that tomb is drawing you in right now, asking you that if you're empty, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, asking you, say yes to me, say yes to me, say yes to me and let me remove that despair. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ron, I want that question of why Easter matters in my spirit today. I want it asked or answered rather in my life today. I want it answered in my heart today. I want to know why Easter matters. Not so I have some intellectual idea, but I want the experience of Jesus in my life today. I want to know Easter matters because I desire for Jesus to become real to me and I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. Would you please pray for me? Put your hand up all over this building. Yes, 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 yes. Put it up high. Yes, yes. Put it up over here. Yes. Yes, 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 all over this building. Yes, 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 in the back. Yes, I see it. Yes, in the back. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, remain with your eyes closed, your head bowed. I'm going to give you some instructions. I love how God makes things so simple for you and so simple for me. Romans chapter 10 made it so easy. If you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again to forgive you of your sins. If you confess that, he comes into your life. Just confess and believe. He made it so easy. So what Pastor Ron is gonna do right now is lead this whole congregation in prayer. And if you raise your hands, all I'm asking you to do is pray after us, pray along with us, and just mean it. Just believe it, just have faith in it, and Jesus is going to be real to you today. Everybody in the room praying out loud right now, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I'm asking you right now, Lord, to become real to me. I'm declaring that I've been a sinner, but right now, as I sit under this word, and I declare it by faith, my past is being washed away. All things are becoming new. The mercy of God, the love of God, and the grace of God is being extended to me right now. And as we speak, and as I ask you, I am becoming a child of God. Old things are passed away. I'm new in Jesus' name. And I make a declaration, Lord, 
I want to follow you from now on. Strengthen me. Lead me. Guide me. Help me. Love me. Teach me. And walk with me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now thank him for it all across the room. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. Amen. And amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.